Our Father, we thank you as we bow before you this morning that you have loved us and that your Son has come uh, into our world to make make you known to us. And uh, Father, we just pray this morning that as we look into your word, that uh, your name uh, be exalted in our minds and in our hearts. Uh, Thank you for your word. Thank you for the assurance, Lord, that we receive that you are sovereign over all the events that are taking place in our world. You're sovereign over history, and Lord, you're sovereign over all the kings and rulers and presidents and governors, and Lord, you're sovereign over me and every person in this room this morning, and we're grateful because you are a, a, a good God, and we honor you this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, Revelation chapter 17. When... When we, as we're studying Revelation, I know you haven't been thinking about it for two weeks probably, and I didn't think about it for a while, so I, I like to get a little refresher, but when we're studying Revelation, the chronology doesn't always move in sequence through the chapters. Uh, so sometimes you have the chronology of the, of the trumpets as they're blown, and they're moving through, and then you stop and you have some commentary, or you have a you, you have a, what sometimes the commentators call a parenthesis, a parenthetical section or parenthesis in the action. So you have a parenthetical. We saw that 144,000 Jews who are saved. Um, you, you move through, and when you get to chapter 17 and 18, you're we're probably in the latter part of the tribulation, the latter part of the seven years of the tribulation period, um, the trumpets have blown. You come to the seventh trumpet. Let me be sure I get this right in my mind. You come to the seventh trumpet, and the seventh trumpet is made up of seven seals. No, let me back up again. It's seven seals, right? So seven seals that you start with. Now, not a seal that does tricks. This is a seal that something sealed. So it's seven seals, and when you get to the seventh seals, the seventh seal... It's made up of the seven trumpets. So I want you to think about I want you to think about timeline. So here we go. One seal, the angel unwraps it. This is the program of God. This is what Christ is going to do to honor, to make himself known to the world, to give glory to God. So one seal, two seal, three seal, four seal. So you get closer to the end of the seven year period, and the seventh seal is broken. And that seventh seal contains the trumpets. There's seven trumpets. And so each one of those trumpets is a judgment. And then you get to the seventh trumpet, and it contains seven bowls or vials, whichever translation you use. So seven bowls of judgment. So these bowls are poured upon the earth of judgment. It's a bowl of judgment poured upon the earth. And these things are like a trip hammer right at the end, happening all at once, probably within, and the Bible doesn't say, but probably within a period of weeks or months, but right at the end of the seventh tri- tribulation period. And then, and then it stops in chapter 12. You have a, another parenthetical that you're looking at the nation of Israel. It's a, it, it, it is the, the woman who is with child, and Satan's persecuting her, and she, flew, she flees into... Um, into, into a protected area, and Satan sends water after her, but he can't drown her, and so 
all that is imagery of the nation of Israel and Satan's trying to destroy the nation of Israel. Because if Satan can destroy the nation of Israel, there is no salvation. Christ will not come. Uh, and so he will not come to rule over the nation of Israel if there is no nation of Israel. And so then you come back and the progression starts again. <clears throat> but when you get to chapter 17 and 18, again, I believe you're, you're right at the end chronologically of the tribulation period. But 17 and 18 is kind of an overview of what has been anti I should say anti-Christian. Because when we use the word antichrist, we're thinking about one person. But antichrist is, means that anything that is against Christ. So when I say anti-Christianity, it's anything that against Christianity or that has to do with Christ. It is the antithesis of Christianity. So when you get to 17 and 18, it talks about Babylon. <clears throat> and Babylon has to do not just with the city of Babylon. And that came about, you remember after the flood, that people got together and decided that they would build a tower to reach into heaven. And it was the Tower of Babel, if you remember. And, and so that's what it was named afterward, the Tower of Babel, because God came when he saw that. that and and what, the, what their idea was is that we, we, will, we will be as important as God. You know, Satan fell because he wanted to exalt himself to the place of God. And in his beauty and his glory that God had given him, he, he wanted to rule as God ruled. Well, that's our, that's our fallen nature. We want to do that as well. So the people after the flood, they came together, they built the Tower of Babel, and the Lord said, let us go down, speaking of the Trinity, and, and we will scatter them and change their dialect. And I think uh, that's where a lot of races came from, the, the different races. The Bible says that we're all made in one blood, so we all came from the common beginning, but we have different identities racially because God did that, and it was, and he did that for, for the purposes of good. <clears throat> so people were distributed, their, their tongues were, their languages were changed, <clears throat> but out of, that time, out, of that, out of that area, Babylon came, the city of Babylon, and then Babylon has come to represent everything that's anti- Christ, everything that's against Christ, it, 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 the Babylon. Um, sometimes when we're reading about it, it's talking about a city, but most of the time it's talking about a system. Chapter 17 talks about a, a religious philosophical system that is anti-Christ. Chapter 18 is going to talk about the political and economic system of Babylon that is anti-Christ. Sometimes when we just read through, we think, okay, is this a city? Is this, is this one place? Uh, a lot of commentators think they just identified as Rome. If you, if you go to the, the, the time of the Reformation, so we're talking about the 16th, 17th century, and you, you come to the time of Reformation, and, and the, most Protestants believe that Babylon was Rome, and the, and the Roman Empire and the Roman Catholic Church. And <clears throat> so... That's what they believe, but it's bigger than that. It, it, it has encompassed every person that's ever lived since the time of Adam. And so, when I'm saying these things to you, I'm saying what I believe. Um, but, so maybe we ought to read scripture, and so you get an idea of, of where 
what I believe is coming from. So read with me chapter 17, verse 1 through 6. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. <coughs> Excuse me. So the great harlot. Okay, in, in, in biblical imagery, as you read the Old Testament, you see that God is the, is the husband of Israel. And, and, and Israel is referred to in the Old Testament as God's wife. Okay, we in, the, we in the New Testament, we who are saved by grace, we're going to be the bride of Christ one day. And male or female, we're, going to, we're together as the body, we're, we're, we're the bride of Christ, and we'll be presented faultless, without blame, before Christ one day. <clears throat> and the Old Testament is the nation of Israel, is the wife of God. Now, not... I always feel like when I say that, I have to explain it. But I'm going to assume you understand that biblically from the Old Testament. But when, when the wife of God, when Israel would get involved in idolatry, it would be referred to as adultery, that the nation is committing adultery. Because idolatry is that you, instead of being in, in, in faithfulness to God, who was your husband, you're now turning away, you're giving your faith to an idol. So it was considered to be, idolatry was considered to be adultery. <clears throat> and sometimes Israel referred to as the prostitute. Israel prostitutes itself against God. So when we read this about the harlot, it's talking about that it is harlotry. Harlotry is the same as adultery. So this is the harlot. This is what's drawing the affection of God's people and people everywhere into the belief of this harlot. Okay, so when we read in the end of verse 1 that this great harlot sets on many waters, and sets on many waters are referring to the peoples of the world. Okay, many waters is many. Waters refer to people, so many people. Verse 2, sets on... On many waters, verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit. I think when, I, when we read that, the wine of her fornication, in our vernacular, we would say that the people of the earth drank her Kool-Aid. I mean, they're, they're drinking the Kool-Aid of this false religious system. And I'm going to talk about what that system is today in our world. <clears throat> Verse 3, So he carried me away in the spirit of the wilderness, when I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. <clears throat> Excuse me. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations, and the filthiness of her fornication, and on her forehead, a name was written. A lot of times in the, in the biblical times, the prostitute would wear a band on her forehead saying that that's what she was. So on her forehead was written, Mystery Babylon, the great, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Verse 6, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, and when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. 
<clears throat> After, when you're reading, <clears throat> when you're reading the Old Testament, you're reading in Genesis that after the Tower of Babel, there is, this, or after the flood, this Nimrod goes and builds a city. And one of the cities he builds is Nineveh, and then he he he, which, then he builds he builds Babylon. And uh, some people believe some false religion began with Nimrod's wife, whose name now this is her name's not in the Bible, but Samarius. And supposedly she was a high priestess, and she gave birth to a son named Tamaz. And Tamaz was supposedly conceived miraculously, and then after, in his youth, he died and was resurrected, or raised back to life. Gives rise to the counterfeit of the virgin birth of Christ, and his, consequently, resurrection. In in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, both warn against making offerings to the Queen of Heaven and weeping for Tamaz. Okay, so Tamaz is named in the in the Scripture, and so people of Israel they get involved this making cakes and giving offerings to the Queen of Heaven. Says part of idolatry, and when you look at other religions, there are many many religions in the world. They have this idea of a virgin birth and a mother-child, a Madonna-child symbolism in their religions. <clears throat> all false religions, all, everything that's anti-Christ, all false religions began before Samaria. They began when Adam said to God, I think I know better. He didn't say these exact words, but his actions said them when he took the fruit that God had forbidden, when he, he said to God, I know better than you what's good for me. I will choose what's good for me instead of listening to what you say. I will choose. And all, all false religions began then. See, Adam, that is idolatry. It's idolatry of the self. So this harlot represents all religion and all philosophies that are anti-Christ. And despite the appearance of royalty, when we saw that she was arrayed in purple and this harlot distributes from her cup, everything, it's, a, it's, it's abominations. It's abominations because it is against God. <clears throat> it's filthiness in the sight of God. Now I'm going to talk about today. There are many so-called Christian churches today that embrace the abominations, the Bible calls it that, of sexual perversion, homosexuality, same-sex marriage, gender dysphoria, and there are many religions today in our world that deny the deity of Christ. And even though they call themselves a Christian religion, they, they deny the deity of Christ and the sufficiency of his death, burial, resurrection for salvation. They, they make Christ's death, burial, resurrection unnecessary. They, they want the love of Christ. They want the love of God, but they want God to serve them. I'm going to read you what John Piper Uh, a couple of quotes that came out of his book, The Sovereignty of God. And I think it's very relevant to what we see today in Christian churches, even in some Baptist churches. So this is what he says, and I happen to agree with it. He said, there's a deep assumption in the hearts of most modern people that we have a right to life in relationship to God. When we think about what what is the Constitution or, or, or the Declaration of Independence said, we have an inalienable right 
uh, to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay, remember that? I can't remember which one of those documents it's in. <clears throat> so let me say, he said, we have a deep assumption in most modern people that we have a right to life in relationship to God, that he has no right to take our life. And if he exists at all, he's obligated to do what, what he can to preserve our lives. Our life, most people feel, is ours. It does not belong to anyone else. And no one, not even God, has the right to take my life when I do not choose. I should be sovereign over my life. And if anyone takes my life or messes up my life, including God, he has done me wrong. Now listen to what he says. God regards faithfulness to him as more important than life. This is a radical God-centeredness that is intellectually and emotionally foreign to our world. It seems to it foreign to the most of contemporary Christianity today. The instincts of many of today's preachers and churchgoers seem to go in the other direction, to treat life on earth as the great central value and the honor of God as subservient to that. If God does not serve our comforts here, then he is unworthy. This is the great sorrow and weakness in the church, and it messes up the mission of the church. And let me say, as a, as a former pastor, I don't know how many times, dozens of times, I've sat with people who've lost a family member. And some of you here have lost family members, and we will, and, and that's just that's the way of life. But I don't know how many times I've sat with them that they were people who were faithful, they came and they're involved, and yet they said, I, I'm disappointed in God. I'm Not the exact word, but basically said, I'm disappointed in God because we prayed and God didn't answer our prayers and the loss of this family member. And sometimes it was a child and sometimes a spouse, uh, sometimes a parent. But, you know, see, that's, that's what it's saying that God exists for my benefit. And if, if I'm not blessed, then somehow God's at fault. If, I, if I'm saying that I belong to God and he doesn't bless me in an emotional, physical, economic way, then, then I'm disappointed in him. That's idolatry. So again, that's not, that, that's not the true God. God. God is sovereign over everything. He's sovereign over our life. Man, Job said, man is born into trouble as surely as the sparks fly upward from a fire. We are sinful people who live in a sin-cursed world, and it's going to affect me. And sometimes my sin affects you. If I teach you untruth, my sin affects you. And sometimes your sin affects me. That's just life. And, and that's, if you're married, it, it goes both ways in marriage. If you have children, it goes both ways with your children. If you have parents, it goes both ways with parents. That's just the life we live. We live in a sin-cursed world, and I'm sin-cursed. And I give into that sometimes more that, than I should. But, but that doesn't demean God's purposes or the glory of God and the majesty of God and what God requires from us. Okay. I, I want you to... Uh, these, these beliefs are going to be consolidated in the tribulation time. In the tribulation time, Mohammedism, Islam, if you want to say that, Buddhism, um, 
Catholicism, Protestantism, everything is going to be consolidated in the end time under this umbrella of unbelief. And, and it's going to be, uh, we read that from, from 2 Thessalonians. But let me read to you 2 Thessalonians. It's going to be on the screen. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, capital H, who, would, who, who now restrains will do so until he, capital H, is taken out of the way. So that's the Holy Spirit. That's God, the Holy Spirit. So he restrains the mystery of lawlessness. Okay, the, and now we're talking about mystery Babylon. The mystery of lawlessness until the Holy Spirit's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all powers, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Now, what's the love of the truth that they could be saved by? The death, burial, resurrection of Christ, who is God in the flesh. Verse 11, for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all might be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, how does the lie, see, and sometimes we think about, okay, in the end time that God's going to give one lie and people will believe it. Here is the lie. The lie is the mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. It is all the philosophies, it is all the false religions, it is all the falseness in Christianity that I just read to you about from Piper's quote. It is all the falseness that demeans God and makes man more important than God. See, that's the lie. And how is it being worked out in our world today? In our world today, if you read the paper, watch the news, or, or have kids in school, this is how it works out in, in, in some way, even today, to some degree. Let me read you what I wrote. We already see this influence in the U.S. and the passions that amount to worship in the movements of the homosexual plus minority and the climate change minority. I'm not denying that climate changes, but I'm just saying there's a radical group of people who want that to be the most important thing in our political system. You agree with that? There's a, there's a minority group of people who want homosexuality and the freedom that that brings and all, the, all this perversion to be the, the most important thing in our political system. So let me say it again. When we see that these passions that amount to worship, and, and it's the climate change minority, and then the educational movement teaching complete personal autonomy. Now think about what I just read to you from Piper. Complete personal autonomy. Complete personal autonomy means that I am supreme. Whatever I think is right is right. Whatever I think is law is law for me. Whatever I think is morality for me, what I choose is my morality. And no one has a right to judge me. See, we're, we're, we're being taught that. We're, we're being taught, and our kids are being taught that in, in public school. Now, not every public school teacher, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not blanking. Not every pastor, I mean, not, I'm not blanking in anything. But I'm just saying, that's pervasive in our society today. Now, here's my opinion. These movements that are anti-creator, say again, your creator, you cannot have those movements under a creator. 
So they're anti-creator, anti-Christ. But these movements that are anti-creator are influencing both public and, and, and po- political policy to a degree that is not understandable except for the blindness that comes from God's abandonment. And in Romans chapter 1, I'm going to read to you in just a moment, but what happens in the progression of sin, when we turn away from God in the progression of sin, illustrated with, with sexuality and homosexuality and perversion, leads to an abandonment of God. God abandons a society. God abandons any society that, that goes this direction. And so there's no explanation about what's happening in the U.S. US today. Both political parties, uh, there's no explanation of what's happening in our society except the fact that God has abandoned us to our desires. When I say us, I'm not talking about me and you, but I'm talking about our leadership, the direction we're going, the direction we've been going for a generation, and now it's just accelerated. There's no understanding of that except the fact that God has abandoned us, and that abandonment leads to perverse thinking. And we're going to see that in, in Romans chapter 1. It is a blindness that cannot see reason because we've been abandoned, and it leads to a debased mind. So I'm going to read you Romans chapter 1 and look in verse 18. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to point out when we go through this that we've been abandoned by God. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Let me make that application. No person has ever been born. Now, we're not talking about children who haven't reached the age of accountability. We're not talking about people who do not have mental capacity to understand. So we're not talking about, but we're talking about every person that's ever been born acknowledges that there is a God. There is a creator. They see that in the creation. Okay, that's what that passage is saying. But they suppress that truth and unrighteousness. Okay. Verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Okay, do we already read that? For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, but were thankful, nor, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish heart were darkened. Futile means foolishness. So foolishness in their thoughts darkens their heart, darkens their understanding. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. So we think God is like us, that God thinks like us, God reacts like us, God uh, feels like us. And then they made like and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So the, the Hindu religion has um, three million gods. So we, we turn God into something that tangible that we can see and worship. And you remember in Egypt, they, they had the gods of the flies and the frogs and the ox and all those things. And then we read this in verse 24. Therefore, God also gave them up. 
gave them up. God gave them up. So God let them go their way. That's what they mean. God let them go their way. When they decided they wanted to go that way, God let them go that way. God gave them up to uncleanliness and the lust of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves. How do you dishonor your, dishonor your body among themselves? Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. So the creature is not just a creeping thing, but it's us. I, I worship myself. Man worships himself. So read in verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up. God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature, lesbianism. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up. So there's their state. God has given them up. He's given them over. He's given them over to this mindset. So God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. <clears throat> okay, a debased, a debased mind. It doesn't mean that every person that has that's not following the Lord and, and honoring Him, it doesn't mean that they think about evil, sexual things continually. No, what it does mean, a debased mind means you cannot reason rationally. Okay, a debased mind means you're not rational in your thinking. You're irrational. Okay. Now, I'm going to make an application that I think is true, but this is just my application. We we as a nation, or I don't even remember what, $20 trillion in debt, and and we're printing money to give away, and and, and there are people who need it. I'm I'm not talking about that. And this is not... This is not Democratic or Republican. The Republicans did it before the Democrats got in office. Okay, so so this this is not this is the same. But we're continuing to do it, and no nation has ever survived when they do that. It's irrational. Okay, if you if you have people, we have as a nation, we have approved the the, the murder of something now like seventy million of our children at, through abortion, and it's irrational. And, and we've approved now through the Supreme Court, we've approved same-sex marriage. And, and if, if, if that becomes the issue, we cease as a society. If you don't have a 2.3 birth rate among, uh, in America today, then your, 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 your nation shrinks. And, <clears throat> and you're going to have immigration to make up for that. But so what happens is that you cease as a society. You, can't, you can no longer support yourself. Most of us are uh, moving on in years. We we have. I went to the dermatologist the other day, and she called them wisdom spots. I like that. She said, "You have these wisdom spots," and 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 then she burned me. <clears throat> <laughs> but you understand, at, at some point in time, the young people coming along cannot earn enough money to support us. Uh, and, and so it's irrational. It's irrational thinking. You, you can't give everybody everything they want because they deserve it. It's irrational thinking. Do you understand what I'm saying? And again, it's not, I'm not speaking about one part or the other. I, they're both guilty. And I'm guilty sometimes. I, I, I used to be against Social Security until I started drawing it. <laughs> so keep working. If you still have a job, 
keep, keep working. <clears throat> I'm praying Social Security will go up and your taxes are going to go up with it. So, but that's okay. You like me and you need to take care of me. But you understand, see, th- this is the, the base thinking means that you can you ignore God. You ignore the principles of God. You, know, you ignore the authority of God. The base thinking means that I can fix the world. You just give me the power, I will fix the world. And you know, if you were to make me sovereign over the city of Midland today, and let's include Odessa, the city of Odessa, because both Midland and Odessa experienced some flooding. If you were to make me sovereign and give me an unlimited budget, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix it. I couldn't fix it. You couldn't fix it. Some things are unfixable. You understand that? It's just, you, you just, that, because we live in a sin-cursed world. <clears throat> so, this is what's happening in our world. It, there's a futility when you give away the, the, God's place to something else. There's a futility. You have a debased mind. Your mind is no longer rational. <clears throat> so now we get an explanation. If we, if we have to, now we get an explanation of the harlot. Look in verse 7, back in Revelation 17. In verse 7, And the angel said to me, what did, Why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which had the seven heads and ten horns. So now he's talking about the woman and the beast that carries her. And the beast that carries her, we will see, is Antichrist. Okay? And everything that's been Antichrist since the fall of man. Okay, the beast that carries her is not just the one person. It will evolve into the one person in the tribulation time. But it's the, one, it's, it's the system of everything that is anti-Christ because he has carried her. Okay? <clears throat> the beast that you saw was, verse 8, and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. Okay, the beast that was and is not. Now, keep that in mind. Did that mean that he died and was resurrected? What does that mean exactly? Because he was and is not. That's said about Christ at some point in time. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel because the beast was and what was not and then was. Whose na- those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, that when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is... They're going to marvel when they see this beast being resurrected. Verse 9, here's the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five had fallen. One is. The other has not yet come. And when he comes, he will continue a short time. Okay. Go all the way back to Daniel. And in Daniel's prophecy, there's the succeeding kingdoms. So here he's saying that this woman has ruled in this this false religion, anti-Christianity has ruled in all of these successive kingdoms. And when you're the nation of Israel, the kingdoms that have mattered to Israel are, are, are these kingdoms. It was Egypt, first of all, Egypt, Assyria, Persia, Babylon, Greece. And this false religious system has, has gone forth in all the time. So those are the five that were. Those powers have gone away. Those are the five that were. The one that is at this writing is Rome. Okay, when he's writing this, the one that is, he's talking about presently, is Rome. And then he's talking about the one that w- will be. So 
You have five that's past, one that is, number six, and one that's coming, number seven. And the one that's coming, we know today, is the revived Roman Empire. Okay, so that's what it's speaking about here. And this woman has influenced, this, this false religious system has influenced all of them throughout all of time. Now, there's always been the remnant who believe in Christ and believe in God. There's always been a remnant, but, but the world has gone this way. I hope that makes sense to you. Okay, and then we're reading verse 11. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. Okay, so don't think about the eighth for a minute. But, so this beast that was, that was and wasn't and now is, and, and John's saying it, This beast is going to come out of the revived Roman Empire. And the beast that we've already seen back in chapter 15, this beast is Antichrist. So he's going to come out of the revived Roman Empire. And he's going to be the eighth king, representing the eighth kingdom, which again is the revived Roman Empire. And they are, he is going to be against Christ. Verse 12, the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet. But they will receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. This is going to be some symbolism of the revived Roman Empire. And whether there will be actually ten kingdoms or ten divisions, that these leaders in these areas in the the tribulation period are going to give their allegiance to the Antichrist, the person, the Antichrist person, who, who is going to, in the mid part of the tribulation, go into the temple and Israel that's going to be rebuilt, in Jerusalem, and declare himself God. Okay? So now read on before we run out of time about this happening. Okay. Verse 12, the ten horns saw are ten kings who received no kingdom as yet, but they will receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. One hour doesn't mean an hour of our time, but it means a short period of time. So a short period of time at the, during the tribulation, they're going to receive power along with the beast. Verse 13, these are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beasts. Verse 14, these will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. That's us. They're going to make war against the King of kings. We read about that in chapter 19, when Christ comes at the end of the tribulation, and he destroys these assembled armies, and we come with him because we're the ones who are called, chosen, and faithful. Verse 15, Then, the angel, then he said, The angel said to me, The waters which you saw and the, where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And verse 16, And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. If, if you remember reading through history, and, and let's just use the Roman Catholic Church as an example. If you read through history, there were times in, in the Dark Ages and medieval times that the Roman Catholic Church ruled. The, the, so, so today there's political rulers and there is still there's religious rulers. And, but, but in the Roman Catholic, and, and that during time, the Roman Catholic Church Superseded, they appointed the political leaders. They appointed the kings. They appointed, they anointed them. And, and so there's going to come a time that the Antichrist uses this false 
political system, whether it be climate change or the homosexuality movement, these people, the things that are passionate, that people are passionate and, they, and they're going to coalesce them all into one time. And he's going to use that to come to power and use it for his advantage. Hitler did that when he was taking over Germany. He, he got the churches together and the Association of Churches and he told them all the good things he was going to do and they got behind him. And then when he came into power, he crushed them. And this is exactly what's going to happen here. The, the, the Antichrist uses these false philosophies and all until he coalesces his power and then he doesn't want to share it with any religious philosophy or any ideology other than he being God and he's going to crush them. He's going to crush. You know, it's really interesting to me that in, in time past we have seen, we're, we're seeing developments in Afghanistan again. And at one point in time there are people in in, in the United States, and especially there were women protesting for the rule of the Taliban in Afghanistan. But they were doing it in the United States, and they were doing it without the burqa. They were doing it without the headdress or whatever it is that covers their face. And they were doing it, and they were doing it because they were educated and they, they, they had opportunity. But they were saying, if you live under Sharia law, that's the way to live. And what they, what they, it seems to me, okay, it's debased thinking. Because the moment they become under Sharia law, they will never open their mouth publicly again. They'll never go to school again. They'll never have the vote. They'll never even be able, sometimes even in some countries, to drive. They'll never have another freedom. And I'm thinking, they're advocating for their own demise. It makes no sense. Okay, what happens is that, Antichrist is going to use these passions that are ruling our world today to bring him into power, saying, I will fix that, I'll allow that, we will have a utopia. And the moment he has the power, he crushes them. See, that's the nature of evil. That's the nature of evil that resides within me. That's the nature of evil that resides within you. And except by the grace of God, we give in to that. And we use that against other people, and against nations. Okay, where are we? Um, down in verse 15. Then he said to me, the waters which you saw in the harlot sets are people's multitude, nation, and tongue. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. And then I like this. I'm going to end with this, and I think this is the most important thing in the chapter. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind, and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. God is sovereign. God is sovereign on what's, what's happening. God is sovereign over what's happening today. There is, there is this conflict. We think, okay, if God is allowing the homosexual movement, if God is allowing the climate change movement, if God is allowing the self-autonomy movement, if God is allowing Islam and God is allowing Hinduism and God is allowing all of these things that make everything God but Him and denying the deity of Christ. And when I'm naming those things, I mean, I can include some Baptists in there as well, so don't be offended. But when I'm naming those things that are anti-Christ, anti-God's Son, God allows those things, but He is not the author of evil. We were in Adam. When Adam sinned, I sinned. 
If I had been Adam, I would have sinned. You would have sinned. We would have wanted to exalt, and now we, we do sin. I have sinned enough. You know, it's really interesting in theology. I, I have a sin nature because Adam was my parent. You have a sin nature because Adam was our parent. But the problem is, I had the sin nature, but I chose to sin. So I become as guilty as Adam. I can't blame my sin on Adam and say, God cannot hold me accountable because it wouldn't be righteous on his part because Adam sinned and I just happened to be inherited that nature and it's not fair. Well, I could only say that if I had never sinned. Anybody in here never sinned? Okay, you can't say it either then. We're accountable for our sin nature because we are sinners. So I have an inherent sin nature. I have a physical sin nature. I have a sin nature. And only Christ can forgive me and cleanse me and make me the called and the chosen and the part of the elect that's going to dwell with him forever. But when I read this, when I read this, for God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose. So, so when I read about what's happening to the United States of America, but when I read about we're going away from our Christian ethic, our, our Judeo-Christian ethic, we're going away from, to me, seems reasonable monetary policy. We're, yeah, that's just to me. But when, when, we go, when, when I see that, when I see that we're giving in to these minority, passionate groups that are controlling public policy, I, God's at work. And it keeps me from living without a lot of frustration. I can't, I can't say without any frustration, but it keeps me from living without a lot of frustration, and it keeps me from living without fear. I have no fear. You know why? Because I believe we're in the hand of God, and every ruler that's over us is in the hand of God. And the Scripture said he turns it whithersoever he will to fulfill his purpose. So as we face these end times... Be encouraged. We have a God who's allowing that. We have a God who foresaw this, planned it, as as allowing the evil to be turned to good. He is is at work. And he is at work in my life today, in your life today, and in our world today. Pray with me. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our time this morning. Lord, we just ask you to help us to trust you. Help us that as, as we go through our lives and we see these things in ourselves and in our society, that we would trust you. And Lord, we would honor you. We would say, even so come, Lord Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.